I'll take those blessings. And Lord bless you. You may need it. <laughs> I'm sure you need it. Actually, I was just talking, Becky and I, this morning on the way to church, uh, we were ta- I was talking to Becky about, um, you know, if, if the Lord's going to really use you in your life, you're going to go through some stuff. I mean, that's just the way it is. Now, everybody's going to go through some stuff, right? I mean, you can't live in this world without having some, some difficulties and trials. But I've seen just so many people going through things and, and see how God refines them and winds up using them. But on the other hand, I think God wants to do some miracles in people's lives. Uh, I was just thinking about the... In Mark 5, the man who had the legions of demons, he was pretty bad, right? He was rotten to the core, living in a graveyard, and nobody could do anything with him. And Jesus uh, instantly healed him, delivered him of every demon, healed his mind, healed his heart, restored him to life, and commissioned him. Okay, Jesus, right on the spot. He wanted to go with Jesus, obviously. You know, if Jesus shows up, you're going to want to be with him. Like, forget everybody else, I'm with you. But Jesus wouldn't let him. He said, no, you go home and you tell everyone what God has done for you. And you know what? Later, Jesus went back to that same town and they flocked to Jesus to see Jesus. Why did they flock to him? Because of that man. And so what my point is, is I I feel like we're coming into a time where God really wants to release His power to the church. Okay? We can't deliver everybody out of their circumstances and situations. But we can help people be delivered in their circumstances and situations. And then once they're delivered in it, God can bring them out of it. But I believe the power of God is is on the the Lord's heart. Uh, What Amy... When Louise spoke about that prophetic river earlier in worship, Amy spoke what that river was. She said, don't don't forget or remember the glory of the Lord. Okay, because lots of times we get away from that. And if there's one thing that the church desperately needs is that glory to rest on the church. It it, it really is. Um, You know, I'll I'll go ahead and tell you this. you know, being you know, when you're a pastor, you go to the pastor's meetings or, or ministry. You know, people who do ministry, you go to all these meetings all the time, and you know, which can be pretty good a lots of times, but some of it's just terrible, honestly. Like, uh, I remember one time I went to one pastor's meeting, and I went home so desperately depressed. Like, we're just in trouble, Becky. I just went to a pastor's meeting. These are the people who are supposed to be leading our communities. It was terrible. Well. That was my opinion, I guess. But it, it did feel terrible that day for some reason. Felt, you know, hopeless. Like, oh, you're going to a pastor's meeting and it's hopeless? What in the world? Um, anyways, Lord help me. <laughs> well, anyways, lots of pastors like, Byron, how is river life doing? Okay, you get that question a lot. And you try to formulate an answer that's, you know, that's, that's truth. The, the truth and you don't want to go into a bunch of details. I don't because I hate details. So, therefore, if you want to talk to me and you start talking details to me, you will lose me. I'm sorry. I can't hang in the detail world. Some people can. I'm thankful for you. If you're a detail person, God bless you. God puts you on this earth to help people like me. But here's what I've determined. Like, you know what? Uh, this is my true perspective of this church. I think what churches do 
Okay, we do really well. I mean, we minister to children. We do uh, camps for young people. We minister to young people well. Uh, we minister to old people. We pray for the sick constantly. Uh, we have pe- we have am- amazing preachers in this church. I mean, this church is full of preachers and they have something to say. Not just people who can preach, but people who literally have something to say. I mean, we're always sending people on missions. I mean, so we have this, the three things that I value the most is, uh, you know, what I call upreach, which is we minister to the Lord in worship, okay? Uh, we have inreach, we minister to the people of God, the congregation, the sheep, the, and we make sure they're cared for, and we try to speak into their life and try to make sure that people are taken care of and that people feel loved and not ne- neglected. And, and that every age group is valued. And then you have the outreach, which is, is the world, the people in the world reaching out, like, you know, at home and wherever the Lord may send you. And I think that's just slam amazing about river life, okay? That those are th- but there's, the, there's this other factor, y'all. I'm telling you, there's this other factor, and it's what she said. It's the residing, weighty presence of the Lord, to me, that's the like that you know some athletes have this X factor about them, right? That they're really everybody's really good, but this guy's got the X factor. Here's something about him that sets him apart. Well, that's what sets the body of Christ apart. That's what sets us apart is His residing presence, and we can't forget that, and we have to cultivate that and pursue that. Okay, in our own lives, in your home. Wherever you go, that's really what God has called us to do in life. If you had to boil down the calling of everybody in this room, is we're called to carry the presence of Christ, the presence of God, wherever we go, and release that in whatever way God has en- enables us and gifts us to be, to do that. Are y'all following me? Well, that really leads right into my message. That is so great. I didn't plan that introduction. And this is brilliant. But I just felt that was such a powerful prophetic word that she sang out. I mean, because that has been my prayer and cry to the Lord is, Lord, listen, Lord, church is great and church needs to be church and church needs to do it really, really well. But the truth is, if we don't have your residing presence on it, yeah, that's the difference maker. That's the thing. When people come into contact, it is going to change their hearts and change their lives. It's going to cause people to come to repentance. So to me, that's the most valuable thing there is. Are y'all with me? Let me read these two scriptures, and I'll, and I'll try to tie this in. Glory to God, right? Lord, help us to remember your glory and to, to cultivate glory. However we do that, Lord. I believe there's more glory to come into earth. Amen? More glory. All right, I'm going to read these two verses. I read them last week. Uh, it's Luke 2.49. Trust me, when I first gave, I gave, this would be my third message on this, I had no plans to do three messages. I never had plans like that. But, you know, the Holy Spirit has plans. So I'm going to read them to you again in the New Living Translation and then in the New King James. Jesus said, why did you... Okay, I'm just going to do this for people who haven't been here. Jesus got lost, okay? His parents lost him. They was at Jerusalem. They were frantic. They were desperate. They hadn't seen this 12-year-old for two days. It's like we would be, we would be just absolutely insane if we lost one of our kids, right? 
I mean, we would drop everything to find that child and pay every dime of money we had and borrow as much money we could borrow to get people to help us find him. Well, that's the state they were in. And they finally find him two days later in the temple, okay, talking to these rabbis and these amazing people who knew a bunch of stuff. And he's having this conversation with them. And they came, why did you do this to us? You know, why didn't you, you know, like any parent would do, right? That's your first response. Why did you do this to me? Why did you run off? Don't you know you hurt me? You know, right, parents? That's what we do, which is not always wise in the moment. But in the moments, your emotions are so alive and so on edge. Sometimes we say stuff we shouldn't really say. Because sometimes our kids need to know that they're more valuable than your feelings. This is my, you made me feel bad when you said that to me, son. That's not really important at that moment. That's for our parents, y'all. Come on, this is for parents. Help you be better parents. Of course, Becky says, you're over there preaching that. Now, what did you do? I said, this is what I said to her. Well, I learned the hard way. I made all these mistakes. Like I said earlier, sometimes you go through stuff. Y'all just need some miracles on you, okay? The power of God to come on you to make you a better parent instead of going through hardship. All right, I got to get focused. Why did you search? Why did you, why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Isn't that just so beautiful? Uh, and then the King James Version, New King James says, And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Okay, what it literally says, didn't you you not know I must be about the things of my father? That's the literal translation of that. Not the father's house or not the father's business. Although both the father's house and the father's business capture the heart of what Jesus was saying. Actually, they really capture it well. Um, There's really only a couple translations that uses my father's business And those are the older translations. The original King James Version, which kind of has fallen out of popularity. And the New King James, which is a little bit more of a popular version of the Bible. In fact, it's the Bible that I have used forever. And so now I'm trying to learn some different translations. And I've been focusing on the New Living Translation, which is amazing. Here's what the problem is that. If you learn a bunch of verses in your head that you got memorized... And then you look at them and you live in translations like, uh, that's not that verse. That, uh, that can't be that verse. So you had to go back to the New King James and look it up and read it like, oh, yeah, it really is. He just, they say it different. Say it beautifully. Uh, I think New Living Translation says it beautifully. Uh, so, you know, that's why there's these differences. Um, and I think one of the things, gosh, I'm spending a lot of time saying all this. I keep looking at the clock. I think I got to get with the program here. Um, one of the differences is, is, is you, if you look at where the body of Christ has been, uh, I think the re, some of the translations sort of reflect what God is doing, how they translate that. See, I think there was a time when the Father's business was really a primary thing in the church, a primary theme. Okay. Uh, but in recent years, there's been this shift uh, about being in the Father's house, okay? There really has been, and it's the Holy Spirit. He has swept across the, 
the body of Christ. He's swept across the earth. And there's different seasons where the Holy Spirit brings out different truths. Okay? And one of the mighty truths that I grew up, that I grew up with was, the, was the, tr- the truth of truth. Is We really had a lot of focus on truth back for years. Uh, you know, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. But we didn't really have a mighty revelation on love. You hear what I'm saying? So you could speak the truth, but if you didn't have something flowing that was true love from God, many times it was damaging to people. And it didn't bring about the results. You hear what I'm saying? So God, brought a, God, God has brought a move of the Lord since, uh, since the 90s to reveal the Father, to reveal His house, to really truly reveal love. Okay? So... Uh, it's, you know, there was a book written by a guy who's a controversial guy. He kind of got in trouble for writing the book called Love Wins. It was one of them books about, you know, hell not existing because love wins. But the, a better title for the book would be Truth and Love Wins. You hear what I'm saying? Truth and Love Wins. Because the truth is what sets you free. Okay, truth is, is, is a mighty thing. And so what I've seen in my own personal life was a time of a lot of emphasis on the business of God. Okay, but then there was a shift that happened where it was more on the, the Father's heart. The fa- knowing the Father as a father. Knowing, and I'm knowing myself as a son. So what you get in the Father's house, it's more about, you know, it's more about your identity. It's who you are in Christ who you're to become in Christ. It's more about uh, being touched on the inside, allowing the, the things that have warped your soul, because your soul is very warped, apart from Jesus taking over your soul. The Father's house is all about conforming us in the realm of our soul to Christ. It's about Christ being formed in the realm of our soul where we become more Christ-like human beings. We demonstrate more of the fruit of the Spirit. It, it's, it, and it's a, a great scripture, we sang it, is, is Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Y'all remember that in Luke 10? She sat at the feet of Jesus. That, that sort of describes what the Father's house is about. It's their being with Him. They're getting to know Him, getting to know yourself, getting to know what it's like to be a son and daughter of God. And everything... The whole wealth of heaven being coming available to you as a child of God. The inheritance of Christ that we share with Him. It's a huge thing. Are y'all following this? Some of you are. The rest of you are like, uh, why is he talking about this again? I'm talking about it again because it is a never-ending story that we will go to heaven. Okay? So that's, that's sort of what the Father... and I. Gave a whole message last week on that, by the way. That's why y'all are sitting there looking at me glazed over. Perhaps. But there's also this other thing called the Father's business. And so instead of learning who we are, when we think about the Father's business, we begin to learn why we're here. Okay? Because God has placed everybody in this room, on this earth, in this time, in this season, for a purpose. God... Yeah, right from the beginning, if you really want to know how he acts, he creates these people and he put them to work. He put them in the garden and said, name, name the animals. So what, what you're going to find in your life, okay, 
you're going to find this, this tension in your life. Okay, you're going to find these parallel truths of being in the Father's house, of being in His love, but you're also going to find there's this other truth that works at you. Okay, this other truth is, is the business of the Father, the business of the kingdom. It's seeing that we pray it, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. We, you know, we think something just magical and it's going, God's just going to do all that. No, when we pray that, we're actually saying we're going to do something about that. We're joining you in seeing the kingdom come. Okay, so you're going to have this tension in your life. And if you'll pay attention to your heart, if you'll pay attention to what's going on with you, you, you will begin to notice there's going to be times when you're, you, you're going to feel this drawing and this thing in you where the Holy Spirit starts is speaking to you about you and about things in your heart because there's deep, deep, deepness in us and He didn't do it all at one time and He works in us. And that'll be a, a time you'll feel that and you'll be drawn more to be like Mary to just sit at the feet of Jesus. That's a beautiful time, actually. I love that time. That's the coolest time ever in my mind. Right? But then there's these other times, if you pay attention, that he'll, he's going to awaken some things in you about what's going on around you. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? He's going to awaken you to some stuff that's happening in the earth that he wants to address. And when he starts doing that, guess why? Guess one of the people who one of the people is that he wants to address it? You. Because he's talking to you about it. You know the old saying, here I am, Lord, send Marlin. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, here I am, Lord. Yes, Lord. Send Marlin, Lord. I don't really want to do that. That's you see, God really wants us to, to get our hands dirty. That was one of the first things Jesus said in uh, John 13. One of the first things he addressed with his disciples as he was fixing to go to the cross. He addressed a f- several things that were on his heart. But the first thing he addressed was, listen, you need to get down and wash people's feet. You need to become a servant like I'm a servant. And that's washing people's feet is dirty. It's dirty. It's doing this stuff here. I'm telling you, this is dirty work. This is touching lives. This is impacting human beings. Somebody, here's what needs to happen. When we hear of a child that was born with deformity, something needs to rattle in you and me. That something needs to change. We got to get the, that's what I feel. I was hearing about these children that were deformed and I was really getting upset about it. Like, Lord, we got to do something about this. I can't do nothing about it, Lord, unless you give me your power to do something about it. That's where the power of God's going to come. When we start feeling that, it's not just to have this enjoyable experience. It's to go do something. It's to change. It's to see a a miracle in a child who's going to grow up and their life will basically be destroyed. Their family's life will be destroyed trying to raise it. Can you just imagine that? The compassion of God is very powerful. And I feel like there's this rumbling of the compassion of God. That's the business of God. Are y'all following me on this? Let me just tell you a few things. i got a couple of things I want to tell you. Woo, Lord, help me. So... Let me say it like this. This is what's really helped me. Um, you know, when we talk about the Father's business, it's more about your purpose, more about your calling, more about your destiny versus about who you are. Okay? It's about those kinds of things. That's what He'll begin to speak to you about. He'll begin to speak to you about purpose. 
That's what happens in, in the Father's business. It's about your assignment in the kingdom of God. God will begin to, to, to speak to you. So let me say this, because this helped me hugely. Are y'all following me? Before the Father, you are a son or a daughter. That's what you are. Before Him, you're a son or a daughter. You relate to Him as a father. He relates to you as a son, of da- son or a daughter. Okay? Okay? But before the world and before other people, you're a servant. Oh, you, you may not think that's true. You, you may not think that's all that's biblical because I know the scripture you're going to use on me in a minute. But I'm going to use that scripture on you. Okay, I no longer call you slaves but friends or our servants but friends. We'll talk about that in a second. But I want to tell you, before human beings, before other people, we're servants. That's what we really are. And we need to begin to see it. See, the problem comes is when we get those things mixed up. Okay? I believe, personally, you need to get that first one established before you start stepping into the second one. In other words, I believe you need to get your identity as a son and all that, get a lot of that stuff worked out of your heart. Maybe not all of it, because I ain't got it all worked out of me yet, and it's difficult. Poor Becky. (laughs) She's had to go through a lot of stuff with me, just processing with me about me, about all the the warpness that has been in my life and how God works on it to straighten it out. But um, So... I believe as we allow the Lord do, to do that, then God will begin to speak more and more to us about being, being servants, about washing people's feet. And I'm not talking about literal. I mean, that could happen, but that really doesn't... That will humble you if you do it. If you get it done to you, it really humble you. So we, sometimes we, get, we kind of mix them up. We kind of confuse the two, right? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You get this confusion in you where you, you start relating to God, the Father, as a servant. And he was saying, no, 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 don't relate to me like that. And so when we relate to him like that, then our Christianity becomes more performance-oriented. And we start slipping back into this mindset of what you do. i got to read the Bible. i got to pray. i got to do all these things. And that will keep God happy or keep him at bay. And see, that's, that, that, that's not how God wants us to think. So we, we confuse the two. And I think the important thing is don't allow that confusion to come into your mind. When you start thinking that way, realize, wait a minute, I'm, I need to relate to him as my father, not as my boss. And see, when you begin to do that, then you can keep your relationship with the Lord really clean and pure from all this striving and all this crazy stuff, which really, ultimately religion will get into you. Yeah, y'all are just looking at me, just frowning at me and acting like... I'm telling you, if you begin to catch hold of this stuff, it'll really change your life. Okay? Then you can begin to start discerning more what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life, where He's pulling on you and like, you know, it's time for you to go sit at Jesus' feet some. Just sit there and listen to Him and let Him speak some things to you. Or, hey, you know what? Hey, there's some people hurting over there. I want to I deal with that. You know, you'll begin to know... It, when it's the Holy Spirit versus you, you know, and so you won't get into this striving and performance. I'm going to go help these people, and that'll make God happy. Like, don't, I'm already happy. Don't do that to make me happy. Do that because I'm assigning that for you to do. So anyways, I, does that make sense, y'all? I hope it does. So here's a few more things, let me say, in, about being in the Father's business. You, you're going to discover why you're here. You're going to discover some of your core values in life. 
that's really important to you. You're going uh, to discover what gives meaning to you. you. You'll find out things that give meaning to you when you're about the Father's business and what don't give meaning to you. Uh, you're going to find out, you're going to find things that will make you fulfilled. You're going to start understanding where God wants you to serve, who God wants you to serve. You'll start knowing it. It'll become, start becoming clearer and clearer to you. Uh, you're going to start understanding your gifting and calling a lot more. And you're going to always find out where your best self really is as far as serving. That's what's going to help you. Years ago, we had this school called Christ School of Ministry. Some of you actually graduated from it. Marlon did. And uh, it was like a two-year school. And um, it was to like Christ School of Ministry. It was a training for ministry. And, you know, you had all your normal things like theology and all those. Guys. But one of the things we did was, was uh, leadership. It was a leadership project. It was a two-year thing. It's where the student would select a, an area to serve, okay? And they would keep a journal the whole two years on that, what they were doing, how that was going. And at the end, they would have this com- talk, and so that was really meant to help them discover all these things I was talking about. Discover where your, your gifting is. Discover how, what really gives you life when you're doing it. Some of the students would actually come back to me in a couple months after they started like, I need to change it. Listen, I can't do child care. I mean, God just ain't called me to change diapers and serve the people so they can live. You, you know what I'm saying? People would begin to discover things, what was really real in their life and where they really wanted to put their hands to. Because it doesn't do us no good to know a bunch of stuff if we're not doing a bunch of stuff. Right? And so that was really what this whole thing about the Father's business is, is God wants each of us to to discover the place of service. He really does. That there's places for us to serve the body of Christ. There's places that serve the world. To serve in His kingdom. And if you don't have that in your life, if all you have is you're just going to sit at the feet of Jesus, I promise you He will get up one day and says and say this to you, I'm going to a dark place. You want to come with me? Or you can just sit there. But I've left the chair. I've left the chair and I'm going over here to do something. Y'all ain't happy with this message. I can just tell y'all don't like that kind of thinking. But just do it. Listen to me. <laughs> I got to hurry up. So a few years ago, on my birthday, this is one of the best birthday presents I ever got. Uh, the, the Holy, I was sitting on my porch, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, what do you want for your birthday? That's a good day, right? <laughs> oh, man, Holy Spirit, come on. I need a lot of money. I need a new car. I need Becky to quit being mean to me. I need my kids to obey me. You know, there's a lot of things you could ask the Lord for, right? You know, Solomon had a similar, more profound thing than mine. Mine was profound to me. So I, but I knew the answer because it was something I was wrestling with in my life. Here's my answer. It's like, Lord, I want friendship with you. That wasn't profound on my part. That was just something God was dealing in my heart, and it was on my heart, because I, I realized, you know, at that point in my life, I sort of like had this revelation of being a son, and revelation of father, but this friendship thing, I'm just not getting friendship with God. It was just, and I just said, I want that. I desire that. And I'm not just asking for a revelation on it. I want to really learn how to be a friend, and what that really means. 
It was really cool. And the Lord began to work in my life. Okay, And the terrible thing was, he began to dismantle things in me. And it, that made me nervous. Like, don't pray that way. Let's put that on the shelf for a while. We don't need to pray that way for a while. What? I've been praying like that for years, Lord. Don't spend time with me like that. I mean, so a lot of things. It made me nervous. Like, oh, I've either heard God or I'm destroying my spiritual life. That's the way I feel. I'm, I've either heard him or I'm just going to destruction. I'm, I'm, I'm missing God with my life. I'm, I'm not praying certain ways and I'm not re- uh, relating to God in a certain way no more. That it was so lovely to me. And it just made me nervous for weeks on end. I was just a nervous person. I was concerned about my spiritual life because here I am. God said, nope, nope, nah, nah. We're not doing that. Forget it. And, uh, but over time, I began to see but see the wisdom of God. Because what he began to show me is about co-laboring with him. Okay? And being a friend of God, I've discovered this about being a friend. It has everything to do with the Father's business. Let me show you. Y'all should be shocked by that. I was shocked by it. Let me read this. Are you okay? John 15. This is what I was saying. Everybody loves John 15, 15. I no longer call you. But listen to this. You Listen, this is... This is perplexing. You are my friends if you do what I command. Wow. We love John 15, 15, but forget 15, 14. Honestly, we like, oh, we don't really get that. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't fit, Jesus. Then he says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, on the, one, on the one hand, in the same breath, you're saying, we're friends. But then you're saying at the same time, you need to do what I tell you to do. It seems contrary, right? I mean, it does to me, like, those are opposite statements. Because slaves do what they're told to do, not friends, right? Are you getting this? Friends is not about being told what to do. Friends is not about, about working in the kingdom and going out and doing things. Friends is just about a relationship. But this is what he said. No, friends, friendship has responsibilities. Friendship truly has responsibilities. Every friend you have, there's responsibilities tied to it. There's a connection of responsibility on your part if you're going to have a friend. You're going to have to do something about that friendship. You know, you can't expect to have friends and you never communicate to them. And you never approach them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You got any friends that fuss at you? Like if it was up, if if it was left up to you, we wouldn't have a friendship. Why? Because you never call me. You never reach out to me. You never do. Everything's on my part. I've had some friends tell me that. Like you just all secluded to yourself. You know, y'all get that? You got to be, so friendship has responsibility. So what Jesus was saying in terms of friendship, that he's really called us to, to, to do what he asked us to do. Friendship is about co-laboring. And so he said it right here. I no longer call you slaves. You're not a slave, okay? You're a friend. And friends get to know what I'm thinking. Friends get to know what I'm doing. And when I begin to reveal what I'm thinking and doing, it means I'm asking you to get on board with what I'm thinking and doing. Are y'all following that? And so, um, I hope you got that. Let me read this little quote right quick. 
by this Catholic guy. It's pretty good. He's a saint. We're all saints, but, you know, they have special saints. But you're a special saint. His name is Jose Maria Escriva. I've never heard of him. He said, the ideal attitude of parents lies more in becoming their children's friends. Friends who will be willing to share their anxieties, who will listen to their problems, who will help them in an effective and agreeable way. Isn't that beautiful? You know, as, a, as an older parent with older children, you'll learn that your parenting shifts and, you're trying, and that's what you do. You sort of enter into some of their stuff. And you try to help them, and not as a parent, like talking down and I'm the authority, but as a friend that wants to help walk them through things and be able to speak things to them. That's, that's really what he was saying. See, that's really how God wants to be with us. He wants to walk us through things. And he wants to have that kind of relationship with us. But he wants to share things that are on his heart with people. That he can, he can tell you stuff that means something that he wants you to do. So I, I had this dream that kind of really helped me. I've had lots of dreams, but... So I had this dream, and in the dream, it was like corporate America, kind of. That was the setting. And I was told to come to my boss's office. Now, I got this message, the boss wants to see you. So I went to see the boss. I walked into his office, and it was God sitting there at the desk, God the Father. He was the boss. And he said this, hey, Byron, listen, he told me a person's name, a person I knew, you know, in, in real life. He said, this is what's been going on in their life in the last year. And he, he went down point, point, point. And he wrote it down on a yellow, yellow sticky note. And he pulled it, off the, you know, pulled it off, the, off the desk and handed it to me. He said, I want you to do something about this. And I woke up from the dream. And so I went to my friend and said, this is what I believe the Lord's telling me about you. And I said, this is what's been going on. This is unusual information. This is not public information. This is private information. This is what's going on in your life in the last year. Okay? And they looked at me and said, how did you know that? I said, the father told me. And he wants to do something about it. And he's asked me to do something about it. Okay? Now that's what I'm saying God has things on his heart that he wants to share, okay, with people. And he wants us to, to do something. It may not be something like that because I have a lot of other things where I'll f- just feel something about a person. I'll sense something like, hmm, they're going through something or something that is off in them. It's, that's, what, that's the Father's business. He's showing me. I used to think it was all about being a pastor. But that's what the Lord was saying. Byron, I've always been your friend. I've, you, you just haven't realized you being my friend. This is not about being a pastor. This is about friendship. This is about, being, about finding out what's on my heart. I'm giving you privileged information. But I'm not giving it to you just so you'll have privileged information. I'm giving you privileged information to do something about it and go make a difference in somebody's life. That's why I'm giving it to you. And see, that's really what this whole thing is. And so it was like the father was saying, I want you to do something about this. In my natural mind, like, wait a minute, I'm not doing it. You do it. You're God. I'm not going to. No, I want you. Friends, do what you're told to do. Are y'all following this? 
And I believe if we'll begin to accept this, we can learn what that's what real friendship with is God. He has sticky notes for everybody in this room that he's written stuff down on. And like, I need you to do something about this, Pam. I need you to do something about this, Sharon. I'm giving you this information. Go do something about it. Now, you need wisdom from God to do it. You know, you need wisdom. You need wisdom for timing and, and all that. But he'll give all that. If he's telling you, he promises to give that. Are y'all okay? All right. Let me read this one last scripture. I'm great, aren't I? I'm talking about time-wise. This is one of the most famous scriptures. It's in John 5. Many of you know it. Uh, let me tell you the background. Is Jesus came into the, to the, there was an ancient hospital-like setting uh, where there's all these sick people around these, uh, what they call Solomon's porches, Right? And uh, every once in a while, this angel would come down in this particular pool, pool of Bethesda, and stir it. And the first person who got in there got healed. Wouldn't that be cool? Seriously, that would be cool. Oh, the waters are stirring in the swimming pool. Jump in. (laughs) And the first guy in gets a miracle. So there's this guy who'd been laying there, I think 40 years, somewhere in that neighborhood, paralyzed. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? That's important because a lot of people's whole identity is tied up in their sickness. And he was trying to, he was speaking to his heart. Of course I want to be healed. I'm speaking to your heart. You know, do you really want to be healed? Or do you want to have this identity that you carry as a poor, invalid, sick person? Because that's not really who you are. I want to get you out of that. And so he said he did, but yeah, but there's always somebody else that gets in before me and because I can't move and I don't have anybody to help me. Had a, had, you know, good legitimate excuse why he wasn't getting in there first. And so Jesus healed the guy, okay, and said, you know, get up, take your mat. You know, he has a mat there that he's laying on and walk. Unfortunately or fortunately, whichever it may be, it was on the Sabbath day. Okay, and so the the Jewish people, when they saw that guy doing it, they went after him about it. Like, well, you can't do that. You can't carry that on on the Sabbath. You're breaking the law. And he said, well, the guy who healed me told me to take it up and walk, so I'm doing what he said to do. Well, they were irate. And then later, it turned out it was Jesus. They found out it was Jesus. This is a great story, I think. Don't you just love those stories? There's all this human interaction going on. Of course they go after Jesus and start threatening him. You know one of the things he said? My father's always working. You know what he was saying to them? He works on the Sabbath when he wants to. That's what he was really saying. He's working up until now, therefore I'm working. I'm not taking the Sabbath off because you said I was supposed to take it. I'm working because he happens to be working. And Jesus saw that guy and he knew the father wanted to do something. And he knew, that he knew this whole thing was going to play out because he wanted to let people know, you're, you're the one who created all these laws like that. He didn't create that. You know, you've got these 500 laws that God doesn't, didn't make. And so anyways, it made them really upset. And it says in verse 18, the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. They were going to kill Jesus over healing somebody. Is that not insanity? When you think about it, they're going to kill him over it. He healed this guy who'd been paralyzed for 38 years. Now they want to kill him about it. Um, For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father. Right? Thereby thereby making himself equal with God's. Because in the Hebrew mind, if you say God's your father, then you've made yourself equal to God. 
and they're like, mm, nobody can do that. You're, you're just, we're going to get you. You've done, you done messed up. You've, you've broke the Sabbath laws, and now you're saying you're like God. You're, you're his son. No, you're dead, pal. We're going to get you off the face of the earth. Okay? So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. Isn't that beautiful? The son can do nothing by himself. Arthur Burt had this say, saying, all Jesus ever did, he never did. It was the Father working in him. I love that statement. All Jesus ever did, Jesus never did. It was the Father working in Jesus. Isn't that cool? So that's the way God wants us to do. He, want, we, he wants us to know we can't do this stuff that he's asking us to do. He does, he does only what he sees the Father doing. That's the Son. That's what, that's what he did. I, whatever the Father's doing, that's what I'm doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Kind of emphasize this. Listen to this, verse 20. And so there's a whole other thing that we need to get about knowing what the Father's doing. That's a whole other conversation. Okay? But you can know what the Father's doing. You can know it. You can sense it. You can feel it. You can pick up on it if you are paying attention, if you are sensitive, if your heart's sitting. I'm telling you, you can you can do stuff and you will be shocked that you did it, okay? You will be shocked that you were right about what you were saying because it was the Father revealing that to you. And you just picked up on it and you stepped out in faith and allowed that to, to take place. And you'll be surprised as everybody. Like, wow, I can't believe that. that it happened because the Father was doing it. It says, For the Father loves the Son and shows Him everything He is doing. Wow, isn't that beautiful? In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will be astonished. I think he was kind of pointing to the resurrection. Okay? It's, it's kind of, but there was many other greater. But this is what I wanted to point out to you. It says the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing. That word love there comes from the same word that Jesus, when he says, I no longer call you servants, but friends. Friends. This is the word, same word. Same root word. It's the same thing. It's not God's agape love. Of course, God loves Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus. Even people don't like Jesus love him. He's awesome. But the Father was saying, no, it's this whole friendship thing. Friends get to know stuff. Jesus had not, he was not only a son of the Father, he was a friend. God the Father considered Jesus to be his friend on earth. Therefore, the Father confided in him of what was happening and what was going on. And that's really where God wants to bring all of us. This is what, to me, when I think about the Father's business, it's all, it goes back to friendship. It goes back to this relationship with him where he begins to talk to us and begins to reveal what he's doing in our lives and around us. Okay, and so remember what I, are y'all good with this? So remember what I said at first, you got these two parallel paths in your spiritual life. Okay, you got this path of knowing God as your father and being loved by him, being nourished by him, being cared for by him, having that father-son thing. Okay, but then you have this other path, okay, where God is not necessarily, He's still your Father, but He's operating in a different realm. He's operating in a different way. He's operating in bringing the kingdom out, just outside of you to what's going on around you. 
And let me tell you, you will never be a healthy Christian. You will never flourish at anything in your life. It will always be a doubt. There always will be a question. There will always be a miss in your life if you don't have those parallel or those tensions working in you. Jesus had those things. He had this communion as a son with the Father. He also had this relationship that he was bringing the kingdom to everywhere around him. And so what, one of the greatest ways for, we, for us to become whole and healthy people is to, to, allow, to allow this in our life, to allow God to begin to, to do things, allow God to use us. You know... And allow ourselves to, you know, know Him. <laughs> That's what I feel. Hey, let me tell you a funny story. I'll end. Uh, about your, about, it has to do with fatherhood. Okay? Uh, you know, my daddy was just slam amazing. When I was little, I, like, worshipped my daddy. Okay? He was everything to me. When I got older, like as a teenager, suddenly he was nothing to me. And I, we had all kinds of relational breakdown, you know, because I thought I knew more than my daddy. And I didn't like what my daddy was telling me. And so I had this breakdown with him. And it was really terrible. I almost got in a fist fight with him one time. I tried to hit him with my fist. He grabbed me, grabbed my hand. I tried to hit my other hand. This is shameful, but... It was my pre-Christ days. I tried to hit him with the other hand. He grabbed that. He grabbed both. He said, you're not hitting me. And he was a big guy. He was, you know, stocky and, you know, so. And I was skinny and little, you know, scrawny kid kind of thing. But uh, I was able to really have a healing with my daddy. Uh, As I got a little bit older, I started having children. I got to spend some time with my dad working working with him on some projects. And, man, when I think about that now, I think, oh, God, I got to know Daddy in a, in a different way. I didn't get to know him as that Daddy grabbing me, you know, when I was trying to hit him, I was angry with. But I got to know him more as a friend. I got to know things about his heart that I could have never, never known any other way. And I just count that as such an amazing blessing in my life that I got to know him by working with him, okay, and doing projects. We were, we were clearing some land, cutting trees and stuff, and it was just a, a, a beautiful thing to be able to do that. Um, and then, you know, I was reconciled, you know, father-son with him before he passed away, but here's one of the funny things my daddy did. I, just, I don't know why I would, I would just love to share this story about him. It was time, it was like Thanksgiving time. And when I grew up, I grew up, you know, family farm kind of thing. You know, where you had livestock, we had our own, we made our own, we had our own milk, we made our own butter. We, we did this, this like country living. Y'all probably didn't know that about me, that I come from the country. <laughs> I mean, we were country, but we had big gardens that we would garden and we had chickens, we had turkeys, we had all this stuff we were doing to live, basically. I mean, we ate off the food and, you know, we go to the grocery store too, but we did a lot of our own stuff. We were cool. We'd be cool with today's thing. We'd be real cool, you know, because we were doing all that stuff. Back to the land, you know, cool thing. 
But so one Thanksgiving, we'd always kill our own turkeys. You know, we'd chop their heads off, let them bleed out. That sounds disgusting. Take them. We'd have these big old black kettles that we'd build a fire under. And, we, and the water would be boiling. We'd dip the turkey down into the kettle and hang them by their feet. And then you could get the feathers off of them. Okay? I'm, I'm teaching you all something now. <laughs> teaching you how to get back to the earth. About the country living. Get your own, make your own Thanksgiving turkey. Well, this one particular Thanksgiving, we did, was doing these turkeys. And I noticed this turkey had these bruises on it. Hey, Daddy, what are these bruises on this turkey? Well, Byron, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. Really? About bruises? Well, I wanted to talk to you about the facts of life. I'm serious. The fact, it turns out that the bruises were because turkeys were mating. And my daddy decides to tell me the birds and the bees, literally using a bird as an example. I'm serious. I will never forget him. Tell, I was sort of there in shock. Like, I can't believe you're, you're telling me this with a turkey that we're going to eat. But then later I thought, wow, he's brilliant. He literally told me the birds and the bees with a real bird. <laughs> That's how creative he thought. The truth is I already knew the birds and the bees. He was saying, you need to know this before your friends tell you. Like, I didn't say anything. Like, mm, they already told me. I already know everything, Dad. I wish I didn't. And now I really wish I didn't because every time I eat a turkey now. <laughs> uh, but the truth is, that's such a beautiful memory to me because it was me and Daddy out there working together. You know, and Daddy was telling me something that was important for me to hear about my life, about what I need to be doing in life, even though it was a turkey story. <laughs> you know, and I think that's how the Father is, is He wants to engage us like that in the arena of us working, not as, not as slaves that we're under a bondage, but because we have this beautiful relationship with this person that we know He loves us, we know He cares for us, we're secure with Him, and that He's secure enough with us to be able to say, I want to tell you some things that are on my heart. I'm concerned about this guy. I'm real concerned about him because this is what's happening with him, and I need you to go reach out to him. But that's very trusted information I'm giving you. That's not something other people need to know. It has to be pride. You know, just stuff like that. When God begins to do that in your life, you'll realize how awesome He is and how loving He is. But you find that in the context of serving. That's where you're going to find the context of that. And so God, I believe there's a shift in the kingdom of God right now where God is calling His laborers to prepare you know, he's calling us to prepare. Compare, prepare for the prodigals. You know, prepare for the people who've never known me. You know, be prepared in your heart to reach these people. Be prepared in your heart to be able to touch people. That's going to get your hands dirty. You know, be willing to do that. Be willing to get your hands dirty in people's lives. Because that's what he's doing. That's what God is doing. God got his hands dirty in my life. 
God wants to, he wants to take your hands. It's that Acts verse where Paul says that it says that God did unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. By the hands of Paul. Our hands. God didn't use his beautiful hands. He could have reached out of heaven and used his beautiful hands and done those miracles. But no, he said, no, your hands are what's going to release that miracle. And I really believe this is the heart of the Lord for everybody in this room. And and it's going to look different for everybody. It's going to be different for everybody. There's no cookie cutter. This This is relational. This is communion with Him. This is knowing the Father. This is connecting with Him and His business. Everybody has different assignments. Everybody has different callings. Everybody has different past that shape you and make you who you are. One thing God wants to do is He wants to redeem your past and heal your past. The things that have been hurtful to you, the things that have warped you and pulled you down, He wants to begin to fix that and you'll begin to see your past differently. You'll start seeing it from a healed perspective, from, from His perspective. And once, he start, once that starts happening, then you are going to be in a powerful position to release His kingdom, to release what you carry inside of you. And so I really want to just, you know. You know, for me, I couldn't stand up here if God hadn't used people to put their hands on me and get their hands dirty with me. And people to speak into my life. And people to rescue me when they saw me getting off. And people willing to confront me when I need to be confronted. And I'm thankful that God allowed people around me like that. And that somehow I cooperate. <laughs> and that's the biggest miracle, y'all. But I just feel in my heart... I feel both of those things. I feel the Father's house. I feel the Father's business. I feel a burning in my heart about both of them. Depending on what day I'm in, one day it's the Father's house, one day it may be the Father's business, just what the Holy Spirit's doing that day or what He's wanting that day and having that relationship with Him where I can discern Him and know His voice and being able to flow with that, you know, at that moment. And, and that's the key to all of it, I believe, is, is, is hearing His voice, knowing His voice, and being comfortable to step out. And sometimes you step out and you miss it, but that's okay. He's, he's happy. Like, oh, yeah, come on. You didn't wash the dishes very well, but I'll go behind you and clean them up for you because you did what I asked you to do. Amen? Let's stand up and let me just pray over you. Woo, Holy Spirit come, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to pray a blessing on you. A blessing to know the Father in a deeper way today. And and a blessing to get to know different aspects of the Father's heart. Uh, A blessing to be able to receive privileged information from the Father. Amen? Privileged information.
about whatever it is that God wants to talk to you about. Privileged information. Uh, you know, one of the things that I love uh, is I love that people see things that I don't see. Because I know they're hearing the Father, and the Father is trying to let me know that through them. You know, like, well, I'd have never saw that about what's going on with the, with the government. It's because God, the Father spoke to them about government. You see what I'm saying, how this thing is supposed to work? So I want to really release that where you can get... You can re- begin to receive privileged information from the Lord. So I just pray that, Father. Just, I pray this friendship anointing. Where we would really truly become co-laborers. And begin to sense your heart. And we would know when to reach out. Tocar a otros. And we know when to wait. Y saber cuándo esperar. And we know when to act. Y saber cuándo actuar. And we know when not to act. Y cuándo no actuar. Because we'd be in tune with the Father's heart. Porque vamos a estar entonados con tu corazón. Lord, there's so many people in this room that have powerful anointings on. Hay gente en este en este cuarto que tiene una unción poderosa. Lord, when I, I look at these faces here. Cuando yo miro estos rostros. Lord, I believe their faces. Yo creo que sus rostros. That you want to tell them that I will entrust my heart to yo you. Yo te está diciendo quiero contarte mi corazón, confiarte mi corazón. That's, that's what I see in this room. I Esto see. Esto es lo que yo veo. I see people where God is saying, I will, I will entrust my heart to yo veo, you rostros a los cuales Dios le está diciendo te voy a confiar mi corazón si tú crees esto y comienzas a recibirlo seas un buen mayordomo un buen mayordomo de lo que Él te revela a ti Sometimes the best we can do lo mejor a veces que podemos hacer is just pray. es solamente orar. But that's awesome. Y eso es maravilloso. In those times, that's all he wants you to Porque do. en esos tiempos es todo lo que Él quiere que tú hagas es que ores. Sometimes he wants you to go Algunas veces va a querer que tú vayas and get your hands into that situation. y que tú pongas tu mano en esa situación. Y quiero ver gente en este cuarto que puedan poner sus manos en situaciones you know I'm thinking about when Jesus was washing their feet estoy pensando cuando Jesús lavó los pies de los discípulos and Peter said Lord you're not washing me Pedro dijo no me lavas a mí no sir no señor and Jesus said well if you don't if you don't let me do that Jesús le dijo si tú no me permites hacer esto you don't really have a part in me no tienes parte conmigo so one of the meanings of that Uno de los significados es is for us to really have a part in Jesus es una parte con Jesús. is for us to do what he did Hacer lo que él hace, and, hizo. and allowing him to wash us y permitir que él nos lave, nos limpie, but also washing other people's feet también lavar los pies de los, de otras and, personas. and Peter said this is all in John 30 John 13 by the way Juan 13 but Peter said Lord don't wash just my feet but my hands my hands wash Entonces, my body because he was saying I, I, I want I want this I want to be a part of you you are part, part of me de and Jesus said you're already, you're already clean because the word of God has been spoken over you you know but your hands and your feet get dirty in the world 
and we need him to wash them. Y necesitamos que sean lavadas. And especially people who are serving the Lord. Y sobre todo gente que está sirviendo a Dios. Your hands and feet are going to get dirty. Tus manos y tus pies se van a ensuciar. Because you're going to go places. Porque vas a ir a lugares. And so, but the Lord will wash you. Pero el Señor te va a lavar. Let the Lord wash your hands Deja que el Señor Let te lave. Too. Levanta tus manos y permite que Let Él te lave. Lord, wash my hands. Y pídele, Señor, lava mis, las manos. Wash my hands and begin to use these hands comienza a usar mis manos to do miracles. para hacer milagros. I want to do miracles, Lord. Quiero, hacer, quiero que tú hagas milagros. Lord, thank you, Lord. Gracias, Señor. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Sí, Señor. I just worship you, Lord. Te alabo, Señor. Lord bless Will. Yeah, bless him, Lord. This is profound today. Esto es profundo. Thank you, Byron. Gracias, Byron. How many of you guys know this world needs Jesus? This world needs you. He's the king. But he's the king of a kingdom of priests and kings. Que tiene reyes y sacerdotes. We're the priests and kings. Nosotros somos sus reyes y sacerdotes. With the king of kings. Con el rey de reyes. This world needs you. Este mundo te necesita a ti. Every bit that it needs him. Tanto como lo necesita That's why él. we're here. Por eso estamos That's aquí. That's why we're living in this moment. Por, por eso vivimos en este momento. You were born for this time. Has nacido para este tiempo. You're born for this time. Has nacido para este in tiempo. In this nation. En esta nación. In whatever nation you go. O cualquier nación a la que tú vayas. We're going to be friends of God and release. Vamos a ser amigos de Dios y soltar. Are you receiving that today? Estás recibiendo esto hoy. We got something today. Recibimos algo. We got something today. Recibimos algo. He's putting it in us because the world needs it. Lo ha puesto nosotros porque el mundo lo necesita. It needs us. Nos necesita. It needs you. Y necesita de ti. Oh Lord. Oh Señor. So if you feel the Lord working on you still. Si tú sientes que el Señor está obrando. Don't shut it off. No lo no lo apagues. We're going to have a, we have a ministry team. Come on up ministry team. Ven pasa el equipo de ministerio. That means the Holy Spirit wants es, to do some more. Esto in significa you. que el Espíritu Santo se and está moviendo sobre ti. Don't just shut it off. No lo apagues. Come on up and get some more prayer. Ven aquí, recibe más oración. If you want healing in your body, si quieres sanidad en tu cuerpo, if, you, if you're facing an issue that you'd like somebody to agree with you with, si estás pasando por un momento difícil, come on up. Y necesitas oración, ven aquí. Join with prayer with these guys. Vamos they're going to join. They're going to join with prayer with you. Y estas personas van a orar por ti. Other than that, go with this, with what you received today. Ve con esto que has recibido hoy. Go with it today. Wake up tomorrow with it. Y levántate mañana con esto. Amen. Man, I just want to say one thing. I think the father relationship thing that Byron was sharing with his daddy. I feel that some of us in this room need that area to be healed. Because either your dad was not present, either he was an absent father, or whatever all the reason there might be, the Lord wants to heal that area in your heart. Because you can't know how to be a son or daughter first unless that is healed in you. And then you will learn how to be a friend. So I just want to encourage you if you're that person 
that this word applies to, come forward and receive prayer. Because the Lord is here. He wants to heal that area so that you know that you can relate to him as a son or daughter. And that is truly your identity in the kingdom.